you know, things like that, and, and offices and retail, and it was just really getting thrown in the deep end. And after about three years, I had a pretty good knowledge base and uh, went out on my own after that. I'm ready to talk to you one-on-one about working together. If you think back, many of the successful multifamily investors I've interviewed here on this show, their first step into this space was becoming a passive equity partner. One of the many benefits is the opportunity to build a track record that allows you to have more credibility with sellers, brokers, and your own passive investors. My company has about 700 doors that we're actively working on right now. And when these go to contract, we bring these opportunities to the accredited investors that are on our list. If you've already been thinking about getting a portfolio of multifamily doors, then now is a great opportunity for you to be involved with Blue Spruce Holdings as a passive equity partner. One of the unique things that my team does for our equity partners is sending out invites when we tour a new property, which allows them to see what we look for, along with getting to know the building and the neighborhood and even meeting some of the residents. So if you're ready to take the next step and set up a one-on-one call with me, then please find my calendar link in today's show notes and let's talk. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today I'm joined with Steve Firestone, a monster in the business and a friend, and he's actually in my mastermind group. We just got back from Vegas. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what you got from Las Vegas, Steve. Yeah, it was great. We uh, had a, uh, I think it was the first first uh, founding meeting of, of uh, Rod Cleef's uh, mastermind group. And uh, it was very interesting. It was, uh, I guess, about 30 of us, <clears throat> you know, all multifamily syndicator guys of various sizes. And uh, uh, what, what you would normally think of as us being uh, competition uh, was actually uh, really refreshing to all sit around and swap ideas and, and talk like we were, uh, you know, having some sort of just a friendly meeting and uh, throwing around different contacts and ideas and ways of doing things. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really nice. So we did that for about two days. We got to know each other. Everybody did their own little 15 minutes, um, you know, sort of thing on each other on on themselves. And, uh, and we had some fun and some, some good food. Yeah. Great food. And Steve, when we were at in Las Vegas, you brought so much value to so many people I mean, you, you owned around 2,000 multifamily doors. You have 83,000 square feet for a commercial building. What you're doing is pretty incredible. For the listeners, Steve is originally from New Jersey. He currently lives in Atlanta. I want to get later, we're going to be talking about one of these creative deals that he did in Atlanta. So if you think that we're doing creative financing on single families out there and you just can't do it on multifamily, We'll talk a little bit about this 136 unit that Steve did actually in Atlanta, Georgia, in a hot, hot market where he was able to get owner financing. But we'll go into the details on that during the final five. But let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, so you, you've owned around 2,000 multifamily doors. How did you get started? Kind of give us that background. Um well, I won't, won't go into it too much, but I have been in real estate in various uh, guises since probably 1998. Um, so I sort of just, you know, the quick story, you know, got involved on, on, on my own of what, you know, is now sort of more, I guess, flipping houses and, and sort of thing and 
I was buying up uh, everything from condos. That's how I started, just single ones, doing them up, renting them out, uh, keeping them, moving on to you know bigger and better things, houses. And then really my goal was to get involved in more in uh, development. So uh, again, that's when I started doing a little bit more with, with houses and properties and uh, uh, actually getting involved in building. And uh, I actually lived in the UK for a long time in, in London. Um, uh, after, you know, at, at that time in my, tw in my early twenties and I got involved in it actually over there and over there, there's a lot of repurposing buildings because there's not, there's a shortage of land. So we were buying a lot of eventually, you know, got involved in buying uh, these large houses that you would literally like turn into like six apartments. We don't really have so much big multifamily there unless it's government owned. Um, you know, there is some private or there's a big thing there where they're building private, uh, uh, rental communities, but then in private investors can go and buy as many units as they want to rent them out themselves. So it is a really different market. So we were just really buying and rehabbing, doing all that. And I got to a point where uh, I wanted to be bigger and, and do more. And I luckily just networking and looking out for a mentor. And one just sort of came to me and uh, at an event I met and uh, went down to meet uh, him and his partner it turned out that they were a huge development company in, in London and asked me if I wanted to come work for them. Okay. So, and, how, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So I was going to say, so I just, uh, I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, they kind of just looked at each other sideways and looked back at me and said, we don't know. It's <laughs> like my attitude. And then it went on from there and I really learned the business of, uh, you know, they were syndicating huge, you know, humongous deals and uh, buying up, you know, huge properties and a lot of uh, industrial properties and getting permission for building you know, literally towers of, of multifamily and, you know, things like that and, and offices and retail. And it was just really getting thrown in the deep end. And after about three years, I had a pretty good knowledge base and uh, went out of my own after that um, with their blessing and, and part backing on some projects and just grew from there. And I was doing a lot of development and again, building small developments of houses, townhouses, um, and like I said, a bit of retail, buying and selling retail until 2008 when the market crashed. And that was a big you know, eye opener as I've never been through a cycle before and really felt like I was out of a job. It was really just uh, because I was just a buy sell guy really. Um, so I just reevaluated after that, you know, what I really wanted to do, uh, you know, enabled me to, you know, I moved back here after that to sort of, you know, reconnect with the market here and sort of set up shop and what I want to do. I had no contacts here, by the way, at that time. So it was like starting over almost. Um, and I just thought about it and decided I was doing a little bit of flipping houses, feeling at the market and really decided that, uh, you know, having been involved in some apartments before and also having looked at a lot of apartments whenever I visited here, uh, my family had uh, retired to Florida. So I, I was already looking for a couple of years prior at, you know, maybe subconsciously knowing that that was what was coming one day. Uh, so I had a, a good understanding of it. Um, and I just decided that that was the way to go. You know, it was a, a conscious effort to start a company that specialized in multifamily, uh, you know, more of a, almost an asset manager type of company, but we were going to syndicate deals. And once I knew, you know, as, as I say, you know, you've got to have a goal. And that was our goal was to build up this company. And what we've done over probably the last two years, two and a half years is exactly what was the original plan, which was to create a track record to get to the next step where we're going to be moving to next. And 
it was really spent about a good year just networking, trying to find you know contacts from brokers, uh, markets we wanted to be in, going visiting them face to face with brokers, lenders, uh, and potential investors, and I really just nonstop marketed myself really for a year uh, to get myself out there. And it was happened to be that uh, Atlanta was the first market that really hit for us that with a deal. And uh, we just moved on from there. Wow. Okay. So I've got uh, quite a bit of questions and things that I want to follow up with you on. Uh, and so I'll start here. You've done development, you've done large, large buildings, you've done single family fix and flips, you've done conversions from houses into sixplexes. So with all of this different experience and different knowledge that you've kind of grown over time, what is it that makes you want to focus on multifamily right now? Sure. Well, uh, you know, again, having weighing up all the different possibilities in real estate, because uh, Real estate in general is just very addicting, no matter what you know what you choose to do in it. Um, I just uh, you know really think that this is one of the safest asset classes. We we specialize in workforce housing, um, you know, which is a you know sort of I guess lower income side of things. But um, you know these are necessary people to the economy. Uh, they. Uh, are always need a place to live, especially, you know, if you, you know, our model is, is to buy a property and make it, you know, run as efficiently as possible as far as giving good service, uh, make it safe, clean, as, uh, you know, take care of all deferred maintenance and give as many amenities and treat the tenants as good as we can. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, in that, in that asset class of, a, I guess what you'd say is C or, you know, C plus properties, um, they don't get as much attention overall as an average as they, as they should do um, so we just specialize in trying to be the best in that market of whatever market we're in um, I just think it's like I said it's safe these people are necessary to run our, our you know whole country and uh, they're not going anywhere and um, it's very hard to I don't see a mass exodus from from one of our properties to uh, to, to make their a problem so as long as you keep to your part of the bargain and your model and you're giving them what they need, um, it's, it's relatively easy to keep them full. Awesome. Okay, I do have a question here on the syndication. I just wanted to go back and make sure I understood it correctly. When you were in London and you partnered with two gentlemen that were big developers, you, I think that you mentioned that they were doing syndication. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I just really worked for their company. They were very low. As a matter of fact, they're they're still. Although my mentor sold his shares years ago, he was a guy with the Midas touch, you know, top of the market out. But uh, it, you know, his company is actually still existing today with his name on it as a listed company in the stock market. So they were big. Um, they were buying things, and that was my first I ever even heard of syndicating, and they were. Um, you know, syndicating more of these large development projects. Um, so they had a lot of um, a lot of similar equity group players that we have here. Uh, there's not so much private investment over there, but they had a lot of syndication from a lot of big Israeli groups, South American groups, and, you know, and they were people who were putting in anywhere from 10 to 100 million in a project. Um, so it was, it, and, and I got to be like right there, sort of, you know, uh, tagging along and and being involved in everything from all the 
you know meetings with with these with these type of people um uh, everything from that to the to the lawyers involved to um the lenders involved to um you know just everything along the way in these projects and it was it was a really uh you know big eye opener you know working with architects working with planning offices um you know lobbying local you know, council and county officials so it was a real full on uh, um education great when you switched out and went on your own in 2 years what was three, your business three model 3 years were you doing syndication at that third, when you switched out of working with for them, no, because uh, syndicate over there that that model doesn't really work. There's not a lot of private investment over there uh, in that sort of thing. It's uh, it's really run by the banks. We don't have a Fannie and Freddie or anything like that. So it's track record with a bank, um, and uh, and then maybe some. I wouldn't call it private investment, but you know, semi-private investment like a group like that, you know, and or other groups that you know they were aware of if they liked the project they would be the the investor um simple as that so you know say i i first project i bought was uh i bought an old uh, building that was on a small lake just outside of london and got permission to knock it down and build six townhouses around this little lake and um, you know they were the partner in it and funded me you know whatever the the investment side of it was on that one and then of course that gave me the track record on my own to do the next one and uh, but it was really mostly what we call Main Street banks, you know, like going to Wells Fargo or Bank of America, uh, which was very difficult. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing that I really wanted to talk about before we get into the final five is this two-year plan that you talked about. We kind of breezed over it, breezed through it, but I think this is probably the takeaway that we're all going to get from today's interview mm-hmm. is understanding what it really took you to go from point A to point B and how much effort it was and how much time you were doing to prepare. And basically give us an idea of why, first off, why did you have a two-year plan? And then second, how did you execute it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, first of all, the, the basic model that I use, which is a, a value-add model, <clears throat> but um, the difference is, you know, even now, um, we try to stay away from doing, you know, what I would call major renovations, you know, where we do, you know, a lot of major work, but not to the detriment of income. So we're not going to, you know, we don't buy properties that are like literally empty. Um, it's just, you know, it's a tough model to get funded. It's a tough model to get investors to understand and accept. And we, we do do it. And we have those problems with those ones, but all the other, you know, if you've got a cash flow, all we try to do is try to find a property that is basically acceptable to institutional funding, which is Fannie and Freddie. And we can just about squeeze it by, you know, based on their requirements, which is usually, you can get away with, you know, down to 85% occupancy, but usually it's this 90 for 90 rule that people might've heard of, which means that it's been 90% occupied for 90 days consecutively. Um, that's yep. usually the rule of thumb for, for getting a Fannie or Freddie loan. Let me, let me interrupt you a little bit so I can rephrase the question. So when I'm asking, why did you have a two-year plan? Okay. Um, uh, well, I want to be more like, talk about your mindset of what, what did that two-year plan figure out for you? What did sure. it solve? Well, I am sort of getting to that. And oh, that forgive just, me then. Yeah. So the, the idea of that was um, to buy those type of properties was that your value add element 
and my actual model, which I've you know shared with a lot of people at, at different events and stuff, and uh, it, it, it actually is a 24-month model. So if you're going to turn around a property um, for the pretty much what we do, which is buying a property that's already cash flowing within reason, but it might be that the rents are really low, bad management, all the usual stuff, but it has some income. And then we put into into play our right away. We start doing you know your market survey. You had come up with your new market rate rents um, to match the market. So you're raising rents right away. You start upgrading your units, turning units to raise rents. You're going to start implementing your water reimbursement charges if it's not already doing that. Um, and all these things, you know, if you're buying a you know roughly 200 unit property actually does take that long to filter through. So when you do your projections, you know, you're, you're putting in over every month, how many more units you're going to have that are going to be bringing in that money, how many more, you know, so your income is slowly rising and it takes a good 18 to 24 months to see the full value of, you know, however many units you decided you were going to upgrade and raise rents on the water, reducing expenses. It just doesn't happen overnight. So 24 months is really is a specific, uh, number of where you've now at 24 months probably got the most value out of it and then into your third year you know I always say like our first year sort of you know might go down a little bit and then it goes up by the end of the year when you get to year two when everything really kicks in you're up here your profit goes from here to here the third year You've got a little bit of juice left, maybe just finishing off raising rents and things, and then you're really stabilizing and you're just holding for cash flow after that. You've already made your profit. So hence the two years. So, um, you know, the idea was let's buy, you know, what we can using our, our two year rule or model and uh, try to do as many properties as we could uh, so that maybe in, you know, by two years we could actually start uh, maybe turning a property so that we could create that track record by ha ha having a property go full cycle. Okay. Okay. Got it. And so how did you implement that strategy? Right. Well, again, um, you know, we did what I guess, you know, everybody should be taught and, and should do is uh, have a goal and a business plan. And uh, because I wanted to get there quickly and, you know, in, in this business two years, it, it is kind of quickly uh, to take it to the next level where we could be on a much bigger level and be, um, yeah, you know, getting much bigger money from uh, equity groups uh, and the like. We, I decided that, you know, a thousand units was the first step uh, to be taken seriously. And that really, you know, was a struggle to get there. I could elaborate on that for ages. Um, it, it's been a lot of work and a, a lot of stress uh, for the first two years, especially the first year. Second year, it gets a bit easier as you already have some properties and you can prove what you're doing you proved it out even if it's just with uh, broker valuations of, of what you've done um, and then the second thousand units which is what what I plan to do over the two years uh, was really taking it showing that you're you're more than just a you know the thousand units got you to that point where yet yeah, you did it that's really only maybe four four properties five properties um, if you're buying you know 100, 100 unit plus or more and then the second thousand is when you start to really get the attention of the equity groups. And that second year, as I started breaking into the 1200, 1400, 1600 was when it was uh, people, I was putting out press releases for every property as a side note. And uh, that just did one is we were starting to get calls from equity groups from all over the country and all over the world. And now we have just so many equity groups 
once we got to that 2,000 units. And now after turning four properties uh, full cycle, which really was probably a bit premature, but it just worked out that way, a little help from the market, uh, we're, we've really achieved our goal. And now the next step is, you know, although we are selling about 1,000 units, we just sold some and two more going through, we're going to buy back 2,000 units. So, um, you know, you've got to always buy back double what you sell if you want to grow. So that's, that's the next problem is trying to buy enough good deals to keep everybody happy now that everybody's interested. Absolutely. Um, but that was the, the idea was just to build up um, two 2,000 units in two, two and a half years, roughly was what it's been from the first acquisition. And uh, that's it. I love it. I love it. And for the listeners, I hope you, uh, you know, think about that a little bit. If you have a, if you have an actual actionable plan and you put it in place and not just a goal that you wrote down and are going to do nothing about it, but if you have a plan and a drive, you can get in just two years, you can get 2000 units if you're really working hard. So I, I yeah. hope we got, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just, just to quickly say, of course, it's about having knowledge first, which you know, and that's why you're here doing your podcast for people to learn. And, and, and of course, other loads of other groups that we know and some we don't know that are out there teaching, teaching the basics. Um, it's re education on this stuff is super important because uh, at the end of the day, it's not really just real estate. It's just, I always say this to people, it just happens that we sell or buy and sell or rent real estate, bricks and mortar. But uh, the difference between really single family houses and that market and, and multifamily is that we're actually buying and selling businesses. So we're with single family, you, you know, you, you do a house, you do it up to make it look nice. You want to sell it, whatever. Um, but with multifamily, you're actually buying a business and we're usually buying a business that's broken. It just happens that it's, that it's real estate and we're fixing it by turning over the tenant base to fill it with good customers. Um, we're repairing all the things that are broken, doing, you know, remarketing the property so that it has a new name and new new ownership. And then we're selling it to the next group as, you know, with a little bit of meat on the bone, but as a turnkey business. So, you know, it, it is good to, it really changed my whole mindset. Uh, once I took me a, a while to realize we're just buying and selling businesses. It just happens to be real estate. And that's, that's, you know, every penny counts when you're running a business on the bottom line. And when you have 200 units and saving even on light bulbs or whatever, it all goes to the bottom line and it's really important every penny because you're being valued like a business. You're being valued on the income. Yeah. That's, that's really, really great advice. I, I hope the listeners will take something from that. I certainly um, was having an epiphanies myself and I've been doing this. So thank you for going into that, into the detail. I want to get into the final five and talk about that 136 unit, but we do have a quick break and we'll be right back. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. As a fix and flipper, you need to save money wherever you can to make sure you stay under budget. Well, something I haven't mentioned enough is that I have a company that can fund your fix and flips for a lot less than your current hard money lender. Find out more by looking in today's show notes. All right. So what is the most creative deal you've done? Uh, well, the most creative deal 
in in this space anyway was this uh, first deal we did in Atlanta and it was sort of a little bit of luck as they say I don't know I guess you make your own luck though uh, we finally got a deal uh, first deal that I thought was a pretty good deal in Atlanta through a broker that I was courting for a while and uh, you know got friendly with the uh, first broker I met here and uh, he said he had a deal for me and it was uh, 136 units in Stone Mountain which we have since owned other own another property there recently and sold another property plus this one. Anyway, uh, we were, it was a bridge loan, unfortunately, because it did have a burnt down building and uh, uh, which was part of the plan to add some value, although it was only eight units out of you know the whole property and, and various other works that it needed. So we, uh, you know, w with having limited uh, track record yet, uh, I did have a sponsor um, like uh, I think a lot of people do have, and that was really for the experience and the net worth. Um, and that was someone I met at another event um, who I happen to be friends with and turned out to be a sort of mentor and uh, is even still on my deals as a KP because the bigger your deals get, the more net worth you need. So, uh, you know, now if we're doing a $20 million deal, I still need someone else besides myself on there. So um, invaluable to find a good sponsor if you're just starting out. Um, but uh, we, you know, had some uh, bridge money lined up for it. And, you know, it was quite expensive money and it was taking time. And what happened was I had actually got to meet with the owner of the property uh, with, through the broker. And, you know, I guess we sort of hit it off a bit and the guy seemed pretty confident in, the, in us, us buying it for the first thing. And, uh, and he wanted to get the deal done quickly. And he actually called the broker and suggested that we, would I be interested in owner financing to speed things up and, uh, you know, just make it happen a little bit, a little bit cleaner. So, uh, of course I said, you know, what was I going to say? No, tell him to get lost. What does he, what does he think I am offering me creative financing? But no, I said, really? Wow. That would be great. That's the truth. And, uh, we talked about it and he offered us or his company a, a, a reasonable rate saved us on all the you know fees and of course he then from his point of view controlled the deal and got we got the deal done clean and fast and it was made sure that he got his sale done when he needed it and it helped us out we had about an 18 month loan and uh you know did, did the works got us in there and then just refinanced it after that so let me ask you this did you still raise a little bit of private equity oh yeah it was it was still um you know they still gave us i think it was about 75 percent Loan to cost, which is would be the same as probably a bridge loan anyway. Um, so we still had to raise um, about one and a half million dollars, and uh, that was another thing. That was the beginning of the realization of how hard it is to raise money, um, and that's a whole another story and probably podcast. But uh, it, we literally only closed that deal with half the money that we needed, and it was really stressful and a struggle. Uh, the rest was raised after to do the works we needed. But at that point, it was no no turning back. And uh, as a matter of fact, I would show you if I had. Let me see if I can show you. Oh, this is not going to reach. But anyway, I've got a, a, a sign up on my wall that is still there from almost three years ago. That uh, when we when we didn't have the Hold money, on. that was. Will you will you start back at this part and say it won't reach, Sorry. but I have a sign on my wall. So let's just okay. start there. Two. Okay, it won't reach, but uh, I've got a sign on my wall still that's actually 
drawn out and colored it in crayon by me and my two kids that is, uh, says failure is not an option. And, uh, and then my kids were, they were, they're eight and 10 back then. They were like three years younger than that. And they were writing things like you know, on the side, like Firestones never give up and things like that when they were like, you know, five and eight, you know, five and seven. And I explained to them how important it was that we got to get this deal done. So we were looking at that sign and just on the phone nonstop trying to raise enough money to get this thing closed without anybody like the brokers or owners or anybody trying to find out, um, you know, that we were having a little trouble there. So we, we did get it closed in the long run. I love it. And, and that uh, sign's still there because it's coming useful. I mean, the <laughs> next few deals too, believe me. <laughs> yep. Um, what is a book that you'd recommend? Ooh, that's a tough one. There's so many. Um, well, I can say that probably the, the first one that I did read, uh, admittedly, uh, that I thought, you know, gave me a lot of just the, the, the background stuff that I needed to know about multifamily was Dave Lindell's um, uh, Multifamily Millions. And that, you know, that gave a good general background of the stuff that I was missing that I needed to know, um, okay. aside from going to, you know, other events and stuff. But the, his book was the real first one I read that thought, ah, that's how it's done. That's what you do. This is what you need to do. Um, so that was the first. After that, I'm an avid reader. and I know we read a lot of the same books. And as a matter of fact, even the collection that Rod Cleef gave us just last week, um, I'm already, uh, you know, through two of them, you know, it's just nonstop, you know, the, um, what was the one called the one and, uh, so many other books on just being successful aside from multiple real estate books and, uh, you know, all the main multifamily, uh, specific books that there's probably about a half a dozen good ones on there that, you know, although a lot of them are rehashing stuff, there's always a nugget to be had in all of them. And, uh, you, you should never give up. Reading is just so important and education. And, uh, even if I can find, if I could find one nugget in the whole book, I'll read that book. Great. Where were you think back five years ago? Um, tell us a little bit about what that looked like. Well, five years ago, I hadn't started this yet. It was sort of in the basic planning because um, what happened was after 2008, luckily I, I had made a good, I did lose some money in 2008 just from some apartments that we had that we didn't sell yet. Um, small, you know, just minor, but I did get lucky and had enough money to actually live for a few years without working, which was pretty cool. Um, but as it runs out, you start sweating more and more as the months go by. Uh, when you're living off savings, it, uh, it, uh, you know, nothing's coming in. It, it's scary. But um, we were probably at that time just planning. And I say we, me and my wife, um, planning out this idea for this company, what we're going to do, how we're going to, you know, make the context, doing research of what markets we'd be in, reading lots of books. So really, we were doing that five years ago. And then probably when we started the company officially was in two, end of 2013. And that's after spending all that time just thinking of it, working on the business plan, all that kind of stuff. And then finally, um, then another year doing the contact thing. Yeah. Um, like we're ready to go now. Now we're going to go meet people face to face because we know what we're talking about. Kind of. I like that. And I can tell that you're very calculated and you like to do everything right. Let me ask you on that same line, where will you be in five years from today? Uh, 
Well, the, the goal now is um, after, you know, multiple stress, probably taking a few years off my life, uh, wearing five hats, working till 10 at night, probably for the last two years, is to starting in the next batch going forward after these sales is to hire uh, an asset manager and, and uh, you know, various other people uh, in-house and take the company to the next level, which, you know, hopefully my next big goal would be something like 5,000 units over the next, you know, 24 months, which I think we will be able to do because we're yeah. looking to buy portfolios and things now to move that up fast. So we'll be looking at, you know, create a, a self-sustaining business that, you know, eventually doesn't only rely on me. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really what I'm, I'm trying to achieve a business that's sustainable and uh, where in five years from now I can enjoy what I've made and uh, you know, it sort of runs itself with other people and me just being able to be on the sort of high level view. Great. How do you give back? Um, well, I've already really given back by, or try to, I try, I, my time is limited and, and, and I guess valuable as people tell me, and I, I guess it is. Uh, but I still help everybody that calls me, whether it's people from events I've been to, uh, people that are, you know, just starting out. I've, I've spent time helping them. I look at a lot of deals for people that, you know, and unfortunately have to be very blunt a lot of the times about it. But, you know, that is a learning curve. There's no point lying to somebody and sweetening it. You know, if it doesn't work, I'm going to tell you why. And that's that. And then we've also sponsored a, a couple of deals now, uh, or I have. And, uh, you know, I'm open to doing that certainly in the future and, and, and giving other people the opportunity to uh, be able to get, you know, their first deal or second deal for that matter and just guiding them a little bit. I don't like to... Um, I don't like to, you know, I've seen a lot of different sorts of sponsors and I don't want to be a guy who takes over if I'm confident in what you're doing and I'm confident in the property or confident in the person, you know, I want you to do it. And as my uh, sort of sponsor, uh, sort of mentor said to me, um, I, you know, I thought he was going to teach me all this stuff. He says, I'll tell you when you're doing something wrong. And then like six months later, I'm like, well, I haven't heard from you. He goes, you must not be doing anything wrong. Well, I'm a little bit more hands-on than that, though. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm there to help and, and answer questions to people that I do work with. And, and I, you know, I'm not doing this as a business uh, to working with people. It's just, you know, if people need help and it's got a good deal, I'll, I'll be involved. Other than that, um, other people have called me just for advice in general from various groups that I belong to. And that's it. And as far as going further from that, I hope to, uh, in the next few years, that's one of the things I do want to do, which is do more literal charity work aside from just helping people in real estate. And uh, as Rod Cleef does with his Tiny Hands um, Foundation and being able to help you know, poorer people, we do it on our properties. Um, a big thing that we I'm very active in is um, making sure that we, we do tenant events. You know, we, we have usually have good managers that we hire that are used to doing tenant events um, before things like before school, we, uh, we buy loads of backpacks, fill them with school supplies. That's for the, for people at our apartments. Um, same thing at Christmas, we give away food, you know, just things like that. Uh, whatever we can do, we do. So I'd like to take that to a bigger level, whether it's with someone else's group helping them or, or eventually on my own. But that is definitely something in five years from now, I certainly see myself spending as much time doing that as I would be running my business.
I love it. How do, how do the listeners find you, your company, or get a hold of you? Um, main thing is, is our website, which is just www.crownbaygroup.com. Um, that's really the, the, the main space. If you go on there, you'll find out everything about, especially about syndication, exactly what we do, what's in, for people who don't know about syndication, exactly what's involved. We go through each um, uh, of the documents um, just as an educational thing. Uh, it's got our portfolio on there. There's an actual deal book that you can download on the front page, which we update every month, showing what we bought, what we sold, how much we've made for investors, um, and just you know our, our portfolio in general. So that's probably got the most information, and that's got my email on it. Probably the best way at the moment is email me, and uh, you know we can uh, if somebody doesn't need to talk to me or want to talk to me, then we can set up a call. I'm just in the middle of setting up a sort of you know one of those uh, calendar uh, you know call things where people can actually book in and see what times I have available for calls. Uh, that's uh, been on my list for a long time, and that's going to be a reality soon. <laughs> Great. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to speak to anybody that needs some help. I typed in your website. I'm looking at it right now. And um, it says you just inv- bought a 280 unit in South Carolina. Yep. That's probably the latest. Well, actually, since then, we bought the two, two in Atlanta over the last two months. Wow. But the one in Columbia was about six months ago. Cool. Two, 280 units. We're doing a lot of work there. Great stuff. So if you want to go to the website, it's just crownbaygroup.com and you'll be able to find all sorts of information on what are the documents that you're going to need. It'll give you some education on that. And then you'll be able to get um, Steve Firestone's email from the website as well. And then eventually, I think you were saying you're going to get like a Calendly link on there. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, you've added a ton of value. It was fun going through your experiences from Jersey to England to, you know, building small things to building big things and all the way to where you are today, selling off about a thousand of your units and now doubling down and getting another 2000. And I can't wait to hear you getting your 5,000 within the next two years. And I know you'll do it. I'll see you at the next mastermind, my friend. Until next time, think outside the box. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. If you got value from today's episode, I want to invite you to come to Denver to meet me. I have a great group of investors here in Denver that would love to meet you. I'm serious. You should really schedule the trip. Want to hear what Joe Fairless said about my group? Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups, and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888. Text meetup to 555-888.